This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Powerplay, a new series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Danson Cheong, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. And I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. Together every month, both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. And to kick this episode off, we're going to look at democracy, the most recent topic in Beijing and Washington's war of words. Carissa, could you give us a quick recap? Well, this latest round was triggered by President Biden's Summit for Democracy, which took place on December 9 and 10. So right from the start, the summit's guest list attracted some controversy. You had countries like the Philippines, which has had extrajudicial killings under President Duterte, and India, which US think tanks say has been experiencing democratic backsliding of late. And other countries like Brazil and Pakistan have also had their own spotty records of human rights abuses, but the Biden administration invited them anyway. Singapore wasn't invited, and China and Russia weren't invited either. Danson, how did China react? Did they see it as a snub? Don't forget, Carissa, that China not only did not get invited, but that Taiwan also got an invite. And I think that was something that really got China angry. You know, I think China already sees this summit as a kind of gathering that was organized uh, specifically against it. But the fact that Taiwan was invited, along with all these other countries, I think really got Beijing riled up. So it it really has been hitting back nonstop since um, Washington unveiled the invite list in late November. Uh, China, I think, organized its own democracy forum uh, just some days before the US summit. You know, it's released a government white paper called China, Democracy That Works, and another report titled uh, The State of Democracy in the United States, you know, where it slams the U.S.'s uh, democratic system. And, you know, over here, state media outlets have just been relentless, you know, in their editorials, touting China's own version of democracy and criticizing the U.S. Speaking of China's own version of democracy, there's a phrase, right? China calls it whole process democracy. So what exactly is that? Well, according to to its white paper, uh, it's a real mouthful. Uh, (laughs) Are you ready? Go for it. So, whole process democracy, according to its white paper, is is this, you know, whole process people's democracy integrates process-oriented democracy with results-oriented democracy, procedural democracy with substantive democracy, direct democracy with indirect democracy, and people's democracy with the will of the state. You know, which is a whole lot of words, but what exactly do they mean? I'll I'll explain. So whole process democracy uh, is the term actually first mooted by Xi Jinping in 2019, in Chinese. Essentially what China is saying is that its own democracy is one where the party and state represent the people and serve their interests. Uh, It's a system that they think is more participatory than, than democratic systems in the West because it delivers better outcomes. In contrast, they say, uh, democracy in the West can be hijacked by interest groups and politicians and own, who, you know, who only listen to people in the run-up to elections. That's interesting. So what was one of the more memorable insults or criticisms from China in the past few weeks? Uh, there were two that really stood out to me. Um, so I'll give you one extra. Um, well, Vice Foreign Minister Le Yucheng, I think he said at a, at a recent forum on Chinese democracy that China's democracy is not the kind that wakes up during the time of voting and goes back to sleep after. And also from the foreign ministry's report on American democracy, uh, they say, 
the self-styled American democracy is now gravely ill with money politics, elite rule, political polarization, and a dysfunctional system. To be fair, some of these criticisms are justified. So American officials have stressed that um, the US wasn't trying to be the final arbiter of what counts or doesn't count as a democracy, but not everyone saw it that way. So you had the Washington Post, which said that many countries viewed Biden as a global Santa Claus, dividing them into naughty and nice columns and treating them accordingly, which is just apt considering it's Christmas time now. And America does have many problems of its own. So China likes to cite America's powerful lobby groups, the influence of money in politics, structural inequality, deep-rooted racism, gun crimes, the list goes on. So what the Biden administration did was lean in. Biden, Kamala Harris, Anthony Blinken, they all acknowledge in the various speeches that America's own democracy isn't perfect and has come under threat in recent times. So for example, they cited the January 6th Capitol riot and some stricter voting laws that have been called voter suppression efforts. So at least there was that bit of self-awareness, even if it was also a little bit partisan, since these threats were supported by some Republicans. But overall, it does seem, Denson, that China's protesting a bit too much. It kind of makes Beijing seem insecure from Washington's point of view. And, you know, what, what do you think is behind its reaction? Well, I think there are two reasons here. First, I think Beijing sees, you know, in this uh, U.S. Summit for Democracy, Biden's attempt to try and frame the U.S.-China competition as one between, you know, democracies and autocracies. And for a long time, I think China has rejected kind of putting this ideological tint to its bilateral confrontation with the US. And second, I think the reaction from China is also in part because of this long-running battle for what it calls uh, global discourse power. So, you, you know, it does not want the US to define uh, what democracy is. And it wants to push, you know, its own version, its own definition of democracy and its own system as one that is superior to the US. Do you think China succeeded in convincing other countries of its viewpoint? Well, I, I think objectively speaking, I think China can say that it has a government uh, that has more popular support than uh, you know many governments in in other democracies, and you know it also has a government that delivers more you know public goods uh, to its people than 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 many other democracies. You know the Chinese like to say that they've lifted eight hundred eight hundred million people out of poverty. Having said that, I don't think Beijing is being particularly convincing. You know, China might have an effective government, but saying that it's democratic, I think is is stretching the definition a little bit. What I think we are seeing here uh, with China being so vocal, I think it's its attempt to try and wrest the narrative back from the US. It's it's a similar tactic, you know, that we've seen, you know, with its wolf warrior diplomats going on the the offensive. You know, whether or not this uh, is successful uh, is 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 debatable. I think this podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. So, Carissa, like we discussed earlier, one of China's criticisms of the summit was that the US was trying to divide the world into democratic and undemocratic camps by its own standard. You know, Chinese uh, foreign ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin accused the US of advancing its hegemony in the name of democracy. Carissa, to what extent do you see this as an ideological competition? Or do you reckon it's more of a geopolitical struggle against a rising competitor? I think it's both. 
So as you pointed out, Denson, Biden likes to say that democracy against authoritarianism is, you know, quote unquote, the defining challenge of our time. And during the summit, you know, he kept urging countries to counter democratic backsliding worldwide. You know, he said autocrats were seeking to advance their own power, export influence and justify repression. He didn't name names, but it was pretty obvious that he was referring to China and Russia and, you know, others. So Biden himself has made a bigger deal of human rights than his predecessor. Remember, the Summit for Democracy came just after the announcement that the US will go ahead with a diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics in Beijing. And they said that this was because of their treatment of Uyghur Muslims. So that's pretty obviously an element of ideological competition too. But Denson, the camps also fall nicely along geopolitical lines. So we can see this, you know, on the last day of the Democracy Summit, when the US and several other countries announced an export control program. So they said that the point of this was to stop the spread of technologies, which would be misused by governments to violate human rights. And the, and the countries that signed on to this were Australia, Denmark and Norway. And other countries like Canada, France, the Netherlands and the UK also supported the program. These are all liberal democracies. But, you know, they also have quarrels and concerns with Beijing over trade, technology, and a whole range of other issues. So if you look at it from another angle, it, you know, sort of looks like a geopolitical coalition forming against China. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the thorny issue of Taiwan. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't want to belabor the point, but I think the fact that, that China was excluded while, while Taiwan got invited, I think it's, it's unacceptable to China. You know, China sees the self-ruled island uh, Taiwan as part of its territory, you know, has been trying to, to reduce its international space. And I think the fact that it got invited to the summit will just only reaffirm views in Taiwan of the Biden administration's support for the island. Yeah, Denson, that's another area where geopolitics and ideology overlapped. So Americans like to use Taiwan as an example of a leading democracy. So they say they have shared values with the Taiwanese. So that's some element of ideological affinity there. But at the same time, Taiwan's security is also important to the U.S. because of its critical location within the First Island chain. And U.S. officials repeatedly call it critical to the defense of vital American interests in the Indo-Pacific region. And on top of that, its semiconductors are also key components for many of America's important industries, making it part of America's critical supply chains. So when officials and politicians talk about defending Taiwan's democracy, all these security implications, Denson, are on their minds as well. All in all, I would say that ideological differences are definitely part of the worsening tensions between America and China. Well, I think that nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to Powerplay. I'm Denson Cheong. And I'm Carissa Yong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.